0: I will say, I'm glad that we live in a time of YouTube, because... Oh, isn't it isn't amazing? Isn't it unreal?
1: Yeah. That's the Braxton's hardest thing about going to college. Like, I already yeah. know what I need to know on YouTube. And the professors assigned, go home and watch these three YouTube videos, because no they case. can yeah. teach you coding you better weeks. than yeah. I can. He yeah. comes home, he's like, seriously, I just paid four grand for this, yeah. for somebody to tell me to watch But, but, but what she said
2: makes sense, because, like, his first video editing class he took, well, she had to take it with him. He was 14. And it was a professor who was taught. Actually, you know, he
1: was only 12. It he was 12? Was, was eighth grade. Oh, it
2: was. He was yeah. 12. So <laughs> in you know, with like all two. these grad students and taking this class, and the professor's are like, you know, one day you will be able to do this. And Rex was like, well, you can already do that. Mom's like, yeah. you know, shush. shush just quiet. <laughs> but it's great for, you know, startup stuff. <laughs> but, but then he stuff, goes yeah. up and does it, you know, shows them in front of the whole class that you can do it right now. The technology's there. But wow. a prime example that by the time you teach a professor how to teach it, it's obsolete that's and that's what's so good about like what Braxton does with us, you know he was raised around all these editors who are now doing outdoor channel discovery stuff I mean they lived in the house basically and and you know back in the day, you got the disc, you know what final cut the new version's coming out in six months, yeah, you know, but now there's <laughs> updates you know every day mm-hmm. and if you're not up and using that you're you're dust the I can't lid. imagine being trying to be a a professor or yeah or, yeah know, yeah if you're at a tech yeah. school whatever.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I mean these kids you I got. Can, you got you to imagine. you can learn
1: more on some of these internet colleges and that's kind of our joke. Like he's gonna drop out of U and yeah. go to full sale university or whatever. But you know what they do everything online. Yeah. <laughs> it's all current. Yeah. Stuff.
0: yeah. It'd be really yeah. interesting yeah. to see what the landscape looks like and you know yeah. even ten years from now. Yeah. It will. You know, 'cause 'cause yeah. It's t- it's hard to justify yeah you know it really and, is that know, much depending on what money you want to do mm-hmm. but yeah cool all right here we are uh another edition of the praying man podcast Hello. um special so we went off site today good for us too good to get out of the
2: house do you not usually go off site
0: uh no usually it's just in uh you know some in my bedroom you know we yeah. just gotta 6,000-square-foot studio, <laughs> yeah.
2: bow range. Yes.
0: We are here with Scott and Tiffany Haugen, the um, the first power couple of of the outdoors, so the outdoor landscape. But we're at Scott and Tiffany's house right now.
3: Haugen Complex, I would think, would be <laughs> more <laughs> correctly just
0: to describe power, this Power, I
1: guess we did do our P90X today. Yeah. We Good did.
0: <laughs> we're old, hun. Are you guys we're doing old. it? You doing the <laughs> yeah.
1: P90? Probably about the... 10th time through, 7th yeah. time through. She does good. You She's know, way better at it
0: than I am. Tony! <laughs> yeah. You, we Tony.
1: love to get outside. Every once in a while, we just have to do Tony. You
3: yeah. Know, have to. German potato soup. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that got strong. Anytime you want to feel bad about yourself, <laughs> yeah. you really give, give a little bit of Tony. Oh, yeah. uh, gosh. Yeah, they no, so uh, the hosts are here. Myself, Jake Siegel, uh, Nathan Aloysius Bailey, and uh, Johnny Eastburn.
3: Hello. Glad to be here.
0: So we uh, reached out to Scott and Tiffany. We actually saw you guys at a sportsman show a couple of months ago, up I-5, and that was good. So we, we've known you guys for a little while. Um, if you don't mind, rather than me trying to explain who you are and what you're all about, just give us, a, give
2: us the elevator pitch on the wow. uh, elevator pitch. Well, it's, a, it's a long elevator. Well, we're so. coming to you from our home in Walterville, and we were both born and raised. She was about a mile from our house to the east, and I was about a mile from this house to the west. We've known each other since first grade.
1: Yeah, pretty much forever. Our parents went to school. Our grandparents knew each other. My grandma was his third-grade teacher, and I actually remember correcting his papers. Straight (laughs) A's. Straight
2: A's.
1: (laughs) He was a nice boy. I remember giving him big smiley faces. The not-so-nice boys. I actually remember erasing their answers, putting the wrong ones so I could give them a check mark. And oh. I have since asked forgiveness from yeah. a couple of those guys. She,
2: you even it. admitted it to them.
1: I did. I yeah, told them.
2: I was there. That was you pretty know, cool.
1: 30, 40 years later. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> they, they wow. Care. No, so this is, yeah. yeah, this is home. But we um, when we got married, we didn't stay here long. We got no. out of town.
2: In fact, it's like funny because two weeks I, later. I went to U of O. She went to Oregon State. We didn't see each other all through college. And then I was going out to dinner with my cousin who I hadn't seen for a long time. And then my cousin called the night before we were going out to dinner, and she said, oh, do you mind if Tiffany Fountain comes along? And I said, gosh, I haven't seen her since high school. And Tiffany still doesn't remember it, but one of my, my best, so all of my friends in high school were, all of my really close friends were a year ahead of me. So my senior year was just, I, I was a four-sport athlete, and all I just cared about and focused on was sports. But during that senior year, I had a conversation with Tiffany, and she still doesn't remember it on the bleachers. Basketball. Oh, my game. I think I remember. Yeah, she's it. making that up. There were so many boys. <laughs> <laughs> she's being nice. Trying to, it was like Yeah. What a what a cool girl. And I was like, gosh darn. I wish I'd have met. You know, got to talk to her earlier in in life. But we've known each other since ever. And it was, you know, it was just one of those things, the girl next door thing. And and so my cousin brought this up, and I was like, yeah, have her come along, that'd be fun. That night I went home and called my mom and said, I found the girl I'm going to marry. And four months later we were engaged. Nine months later we were married living in Arctic Alaska.
1: Yeah, pretty quick turn of events there. Yeah.
2: And our life really hasn't slowed down since.
1: No. No. I don't know how it happened. I was certainly not going to marry somebody from my hometown.
2: I know. <laughs> 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 I
0: didn't think that arranged marriages were still a yeah, thing. That's but right. This is, but yeah. it is kind of crazy. No. Like,
1: I mean, some weird coincidences. You know, there was the, the grandma being his teacher. And my senior prom date married his senior prom date. Really? They're happily married with like four wow. kids. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those things where you kind of look back and go, hmm, God wanted us together, but. Not until we were ready. And then it was like, oh, okay, go to the Arctic of Alaska where you can't run away if you want to. Yeah, Yeah.
2: it was pretty funny because we both had our teaching degrees. And that that first date, she said, what are you doing with your teaching degree? And I said, I'm moving to Arctic Alaska. I've always wanted to hang out with the Eskimos up there, learn how to hunt fish and trap in like the most desolate, harsh climate on the planet. And she's like, well, you better do it now because no woman is ever going to follow you up there. (laughs) And I said, what are you going to do with yours? And she's like, well, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I actually I, – I'm a fifth-generation teacher, and I only got my education certificate just as a backup. I, you know, I thought, there's no way I'm going to be a teacher. When I told my parents I was going to be a teacher, they cried. They're like, we wanted you to be a doctor <laughs> yeah. or a lawyer or something that makes money. And, and so, yeah, the fact that um, – you know, when you open up the world to teaching, there's so many places you can go. It can be the most adventurous job with still, you know, summer's off. So we, um, yeah, we had that in common. And I did not picture myself moving to Alaska, but <laughs> something just happened. And I said, yes. And I ended up there and, and yeah, we just kind of hit the ground running and have not stopped since. Yeah,
2: but it was a neat deal. We were four teachers or two or four teachers at this little school, a Eskimo village called Point Lay, less than a hundred people in the village. I taught the. Entire high school, 9th through 12th grade, every subject in one classroom. She taught through 8th, through every subject in one classroom. Yeah, I a
1: new problem. I can do this. <laughs> yeah. I called my mom. I'm like, how do you teach kids how to read? Because I actually was a high school health, certified high school health. And luckily, my mom was a first grade teacher for 30 plus years. And in two weeks uh, on the phone with her, you know her every day, and she had me. She had it, we had it figured out.
2: <laughs> yeah. But it was fun. But it was harsh. You know, 199 straight days below zero up there. Internet wasn't invented. No such thing as a cell phone um no such yeah, thing as I went, amazon
1: i once went nine months because i didn't leave the village i went nine months and stayed within a one mile radius so i always think you know you hear about who wants to go to mars could you survive it
4: <laughs>
2: heck yeah no problem yeah because there were no stores there we did our nine months worth of grocery shopping on the way up and everything was flown in wow. But you know no flush toilets um everything was honey bucket. yeah the only thing to really? eat
1: was uh what scott went out and got and you know, I think the first part the first part of the time we lived there you couldn't like legally hunt necessarily. Yeah, so he went the, out with people and they kept us fed yeah. with, you know, seals and ducks yeah. and
0: that was because you weren't mm. considered we had to be uh,
1: residents.
2: A resident. residents. Yeah. 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 So okay. I couldn't get the volume of animals to live off of oh, that we wow. got once had, we established had residency. You, had
0: you been up there before? Mm-hmm.
2: Oh you had, mm-hmm. okay. Yep. Okay. Yep, a little bit here and there. But not to the Arctic. I mean,
1: yeah, and I'd grown up with, you know, hunting and fishing a little bit here and there, but not that subsistence. Like, if you want to eat, you have, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner is what you go get yourself. So it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, I think we, would you know, ate spam out of a can twice, and I was like, yeah, let's get some caribou. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> was there ever a like moment in that or in that you know the first year where you thought like this is crazy what are we doing up here oh my gosh was there ever that thought like where's the eject
2: we
1: had two moments in that first year and the first one was the the polar bear
2: yeah you Um, better give that quick yeah (laughs) yeah we had a a polar bear that came into the village um early december and um just like the coca-cola Super yeah. sweet. <laughs> nice. Yeah, just yeah. sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. Just drinking <laughs> lounge okay. on a snowbank. So so here we are early, early December, you know, 24 hours of darkness. Um, it was 42 below zero and got a call from the principal of the high school. And he said, hey, they're talking on the CB. So everyone in the village had a CB. That's how they communicated. Um, said that there's been a bear attack and they're looking for someone to come help out. There was a PSO who had just come in, like, a few hours before, public safety officer, brand new, didn't hunt, didn't have, didn't know anyone in the village. So long story short, I ended up going out, tracking down the bear. Um, the because bear you
1: had the biggest gun in the village. had the biggest gun,
2: .30-06. Wow. Um, <laughs> went, went in with a flashlight, and it was a pretty long ordeal, but found, you know, where where the man had been attacked, a lot of his scalp had been, you know, torn from his from the head and a lot of blood everywhere and and um, tracked the bear for a couple hundred yards um, ended up killing the bear and um, and that that was a pretty amazing a pretty amazing deal um, yeah you know
1: at the time we were pretty nude up you know three months and it was kind of like does this happen all the time is this going to be a regular thing and I was still sleeping when he went out and he came back and said, yeah, it's pretty serious. They, they th- think there's actually a gun. I'm like, yeah, well, okay, whatever, you know, no big deal. And and then he came back, and when he told the story, and that's when the phone started ringing and different
2: yeah. places actually
1: reporters were calling. And, yeah. and then it kind of sunk in that, oh, my gosh, he was out there with his grandpa's gun and a flashlight in the pitch dark, 42 below zero. And then I, <laughs> and it was like later, little shock set yeah. in. But
2: <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty funny because yeah. I went out. And then I went and checked my traps. I had some fox traps out, Arctic fox. And came back like three hours later, you know, still dark. And, and yeah, Tiffany said, did you kill a polar bear that killed a man today? And I said, how did you know? And she said, held up this list. Because all these places from around the world are calling. And there was a place, it had hit the AP lines. Yeah. So. And well, it was
1: like quickly call parents and let everybody know that when you hear this yeah. story. And, again, I, no cell phones or no Twitter oh. or anything like that. So word <laughs> yeah. did travel slowly. But. Uh, yeah, it, yeah it but yeah,
2: someone crazy. one of my cousins had heard it on who was the radio Paul Harvey.
1: Yeah, had oh, yeah. talked
2: about it like right after it had right, happened, right, and it yeah, and it yeah, it places all over the place. So that was
1: yeah, and I was like, I hadn't even got the life insurance policy yet. <laughs> <laughs> First phone call, yeah, had to
2: that. <laughs> but, but that quickly. was just you know, th- yeah, that was interesting, but it wasn't. I mean, I never felt you know, totally in danger or anything. The closest I've ever come to death ever. Well that was a few months later. (laughs) A few months later was our walk home (laughs) from school.
1: Yeah, so this village up right on the Arctic Ocean and really unpredictable weather patterns and and we would get snowed in for weeks where planes couldn't land and that kind of thing, but we walked back and forth to school. Hardly anybody even had vehicles, only a couple of like service vehicles, and the roads were really not plowed much or anything, and so we just walked back and forth to school, and I don't know, a couple hundred yards, really not that far, but the snow had built up so high during this really bad storm, that, and the power lines were, were kind of hanging low, and it's kind of a just a weird day and we got to we we realized when we left the house that we couldn't we usually like linked arms to walk especially if it was so windy mm. you know little kids we actually could get blown away in the storm so we were linking up but we were getting shocked from the power lines so the snow because it was blowing some weird I don't even know the uh, about enough about electricity to tell you why but we realized we couldn't hang on to each other so we're mm. like, hmm, that's weird you could hear the wires like making noises so we get to school and they realize we're just there a couple hours and they realize they've got to send kids get kids home half the kids hadn't even come to school and and on some of those bad days the kids would actually like wrap their arm around a um, bag full of coal and they would walk so they wouldn't blow away Hmm. Or, you know, brothers and sisters are taking their little, you know, don't let go of so-and-so's hand because they will blow away really high winds. And so we stayed at school a little bit after all the kids had gone home and our principal called and said, you guys need to go home. It's, It's bad out here. You can't see. And you literally could not see your hand in front of your face. Total whiteout. So that, you know, we just got a straight shot home, right? What can happen? Well, we can. I think the first thing that happened was we ran face first into a snowbank, like, and we couldn't touch each other. It was even worse, shocking now because more snow had come in. We ran face first in a snowbank, and we're like, okay, well, let's just crawl up it, and we ended up tumbling down it, and we just lost ev- all like everything that was. We didn't even know what was happening. And, my glove came off, and I'm trying to fix like my glasses, and we're trying to close up our our, our hoods. And the the
2: wind, I, and at that point, I remember the wind was blowing so hard. Yeah. That you couldn't catch your breath. You couldn't breathe. It was blowing so hard. It was taking mm. the the breath out of your mouth. So
1: what would, it, so, what would so, the temperature have so, been then? I, well,
2: so they were having, it was 70 some below with wind chill. It was like 110 below. Yeah,
4: so um, you, you can't um, but, talk. But, but
2: wind gusts, you know, the wind was sustained over 70 miles an hour. So we couldn't talk. You had, we had to put our face in our jacket to take a, a breath to even lift our head out to the Yeah, take and it was so step, noisy we that we hear couldn't each other. hear
1: each other either. So we got all, you know, we got disoriented, and I lost a glove, and so I'm trying to keep my hand... Because just in that, like, seconds that my hand was exposed, I got frost. I knew I'd have frostbite. And wow. we started walking, and it just didn't feel right. And it, I, I had never been... I mean, Scott had never seemed scared of anything. I mean, the polar bear and all mm-hmm. that. And I just felt it, like, oh, my gosh, he's scared. So I was terrified. And, and we're just walking and walking, and we hear this noise and, like, a banging on something. Well, and we, yeah,
2: we stopped to burrow into a snowdrift because I had no, I figured we should have been home by now. So we stopped, and, and my thought was we'll just let the snow blow over us. Hopefully it stops, you know, soon, within a day or two, and then we'll just dig our way out and be fine. And yeah,
1: I was already hungry.
2: So yeah, that wasn't gonna work. yeah. So, so that I mean that was our only you know chance of, of being protected. And then yeah, yeah.
1: We heard we heard like this knocking and come around looking around, looking around, and couldn't really see anything. And then we, we kind of made out thought maybe there was a building, and but we we couldn't tell because everything was white. And all of a sudden we see this white glove in a window. So it was just enough to be able to tell there was movement. Like so three
2: feet from us. People had, so we had see seen us out their close. window
1: and they were knocking, but we couldn't see yeah. anything until they put a white glove on. Mm-hmm. And so that we had, then we actually had found a building, but this was after, you know, lots of circles and realizing we're, we're not getting yeah. home. And, and
2: we called the principal and told him we were heading home. Yeah. And it had been a long time. So word time.
1: was kind of out, I think, on the CB that we were not home yet. And so I think they were looking, you know, people were all looking, looking for us out there. But search and rescue couldn't even get out. Yeah, So yeah. no
2: one could even leave their house. So,
1: yeah, we ended up feeling along this house and going in. And the um, guy in the family just said, come on, we're going. I was like, I'm not going outside ever again. I'm staying yeah. here. I'm going to live with you. <laughs> <laughs> and he just grabbed us both, didn't give us a chance to say a thing, and and just took us right yeah. to our house. Oh, and, wow. um, he, yeah, And
2: He was just amazing. We kind
1: of fell through the door and... I mean, I was just like, I want to leave. I've never, yeah. I, and you can't though. There, I didn't think we got planes for three or four weeks. Well, that, that
2: storm lasted yeah, for man. two weeks. We it didn't did. get a plane for it two did. weeks. So yeah. even if
1: I had wanted to leave, I couldn't yeah. leave right then. But yeah. yeah, that was crazy. So I think those, yeah. that, that was like our initiation to Alaska. Yeah. After that, I mean, there were times when he'd go out on the sea ice hunting and he wouldn't get home for 12 or 14 hours and I would no communication. I'm like. Yeah, he's probably fine. So <laughs> it, was, it was kind of, uh, yeah, it was an I- initiation, and then we made it through the next seven years without too many scary yeah. things happening. Yeah. And
3: <laughs> Nothing he confessed so to anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: Never a dull moment. Yeah. <laughs> so that was Point Lay. Then we moved to a village called Anantific Pass in the Brooks Range, and that was fun. Um, yeah, that's s- an
1: amazing, amazing yeah, place. Yeah,
2: started doing a lot of trapping there, and we could, a lot of doll sheep there, um, could hunt for doll sheep a year there as a resident get a grizzly and a moose every year
1: the caribou Trapp- were right outside the door yep. they that's they migrated right through so anik tuvik wow. pass onik is uh poop and tuvik is caribou so
2: <laughs> the place is named place where caribou yeah. poop and, and it was the last <laughs> settlement in north america native american settlement so yeah. it was neat a lot <laughs> of the elders there you know remember seeing their first white man and it was really, yeah. They had amazing stories that.
1: of just survival, you know, as a nomadic people and, and, uh, you know, near starvation and, and to just think you're that close to that lifestyle and um, just. You know yeah. a few there were still years some ladies ago. there
2: in their 70s yeah. running their own wolf trap line really yeah, yeah. Wow. Like, wow i couldn't imagine it then and like, when we were up there it was really exciting
1: that. to be a part of the culture and there were some uh, mandates down from the school district to put the culture you know back in the classrooms and you know instead of september is time to get apples <laughs> you know up there <laughs> not in the arctic right. so we were able to just do some really cool things with curriculum and and um, i mean scott was able to you know, let's go on a field trip and go ptarmigan hunting. Everybody, bring their gun to school. You really, know? so that was pretty <laughs> nice. cool. And then I taught a home ec class there uh, to all the middle school and high schoolers. And it's like, okay, bring whatever meat you guys have in your cunny chuck, and uh, we'll cook it up. And oh yeah, we had a we had a great time. That was really <laughs> fun. i learned a lot about how to even how to cook. I I hadn't cooked a lot of wild game growing up, but when that's all you have to cook you figure it out and and so even teaching cooking classes now where people are like i don't know what to do with this elk i um, just cook it you know and you'll find out how you like it and uh you'll get better and better at it but i think some people are just so afraid to start and uh mm-hmm. you, you know just like just like doing anything you have a few failures and you realize um how to do it and and then pretty soon it's it's easy but yeah after after seven years in alaska I got to pick the next place. (laughs) We went to the tropics.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We went. So we had some, some job opportunities for teaching and, and, yeah, Tiffany got to pick. And we signed the contract in January or February when we were up in Alaska. Yeah. And we were having a little storm up there, and it was a little chilly. So it was 104 <laughs> below <laughs> uh, with the wind chill. And where we were moving to was a half mile above the equator, and it was 104 above. And we actually yeah.
1: had the Internet by then yeah. in the late 90s. Yeah. And the cool thing about the school district we were in in Alaska is we were some some of the first schools that even – we're hooked up, so I think we ended up. We could. I remember we could um, email each other back and forth in 1993. I think yeah. I remember, yeah. and uh, it was cool. He was in another classroom. Be we like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> and we just thought this is this is cooler than faxing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so by the time we went to Anacuic Pass, we had a computer a computer lab, and we were doing web pages with the kids wow. and um, all kinds of stuff. And that was back when hardly anything was on the internet. So with free time, we'd let them play this thing called roulette, where they just pushed, you know, the mouse, and it would roulette to whatever website. And it was like, one would be like, travel Hawaii yeah. or... Can you even imagine roulette now in a classroom? I don't
0: think that's (laughs) safe. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it was, um, yeah, but so I ended up, um, we could go back and forth with people over in Indonesia, and and it was exactly 12, you know, it was like a 12-hour difference. So I'd get to school at 8, and it was 8 p.m. there, and, at one point, it, oh, they were like, it was 104 degrees here today. And I'm like, well, it was 104 below here. So yeah. 208 degree temperature change mm-hmm. <laughs> required a change in wardrobe pretty much. Yeah. Right? Oh, That's sure.
2: where my writing career started. Because, yeah, because he
1: didn't like being hot. Oh,
2: it was so hot and muggy <laughs> on the equator. And somebody had to right about this. <laughs> yeah, all these <laughs> awesome golf courses, like this is going to be great. And, you know, on the equator, the sun like rises at six and sets at six. There's no yeah. real dusk or dawn. Like f- by the first hole, I'm like ready to change my whole wardrobe.
1: We had to wear two gloves because yeah, <laughs> so yeah, you're you, changing you throw gloves your golf all the time a oh, wow. lot on accident. Yeah, <laughs> just
2: you're just sweating profusely, and I was like, man. So I locked myself in a little air conditioned room and cranked it up and that's where the whole writing career started and
1: started writing about alaska yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> and pants are normally optional and that kind yeah, of stuff. That's yeah. Cool. you're by yourself it's like it's, yeah
3: it's, it's hot <laughs> yeah so, so you... did
0: what was the going back to the arctic mm-hmm. what was given the i guess limitation of the food that you had available um for those of you that are listening that don't know tiffany has written many many cookbooks so did that what was that like i mean i guess were you did that how did that alter your oh yeah you know your your curve of <laughs> it, it was of used of, your imagination yeah. and
1: you know i grew up out in the country and even though we live kind of where i grew up now and we don't think twice about hopping in the car and going to the store growing up you know it was like you only went to town a couple times you know a month or it just wasn't a regular thing so i grew up just using what was in the pantry what we'd canned and just you know being creative with a recipe So moving up to Alaska when you didn't have anything fresh, I, you know, learned that you, know, you can use mayonnaise to make a cake. You don't need eggs and all kinds of different substitutions like that. And that just kind of carried over to whatever game Scott brought home. I mean, it didn't matter if it was an Arctic, you know, if it was a ground squirrel or a ptarmigan yeah. or something I'd never heard of. Once you get that all butchered off the bone, you just look at it and, no, oh, it's just meat. And the only thing really I think you need to know about wild game is that it's going to be a lot leaner mm-hmm. than, you know, grandpa's cattle or although my grandpa's cattle were always grass-fed and... Sometimes I think they were gamier and tougher than our yeah. blacktail <laughs> and yeah. elk. So yeah, it was um it was a bit of a learning curve, but I kind of started out just throwing everything in the crock pot with cream of mushroom soup, you know, that's how everybody gets started, right? That's right. <laughs> Even the uh, the sea ducks, the first time he brought home sea ducks, I didn't know that they were Yummy. N- not <laughs> not supposed to be that great. and Of course it went in there with uh, cream of mushroom soup and a bunch of dried apples and dried onions. I dried a bunch of stuff before we went up and we thought it tasted amazing and a couple of weeks later a biologist came through and Scott was telling him all about the sea ducks and he's like, "Well, you didn't eat them, did you?" And we're like, "Yeah, they're pretty good." And he's like, Nobody eats those, those are inedible, <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know. What cream mushroom soup again? No, I have yeah. other tricks yeah. up my sleeve now, yeah. but, but, but yeah, funny. so yeah, that's kind yeah. of how it evolved into lots of different recipes and. Then moving back here and still wanting to live a little bit of a subsistence lifestyle, and even in Indonesia, uh, we had some really great opportunities to have some local wild stuff and um, learn some tricks on how to cook stuff from people there. But um, depending, you know, wherever you are, just figuring it out and and being creative with what you have on hand.
3: Yeah. You guys were doing keto before it was cool, it yeah. sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know. It's
2: fun because a lot of, I don't know, we've been to 30-some countries together, and it's been fun because a lot of the places we go to centers around our interests, the honey or the food, and Tiffany yeah. just gets so many ideas. From there, you know, we thought, my gosh, you know, we'd be in this industry for two years and we'll run out of ideas, and... I mean, here we are today. Yeah, we wrote a couple articles crazy. today that were just yeah. something we'd never written in 19 years. So. Well, I
1: actually had an article due, and uh, <laughs> I hadn't really been paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Too much P90X. I'm experience. like, well, yeah. <laughs> we have salmon, and right now outside we've got, you know, some some chives and some parsley and all these things. And, I mean, I made, like, an awesome thing, and I didn't yeah. have to go to the store. Nice. It was a great lunch. Store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was fun. So then, yeah, then from there we went to Sumatra, Indonesia. We were there for four years and started, I started writing then, um, wrote a few magazine articles that got accepted by some big magazines and they wanted more. And I thought, gosh, this is really cool. Yeah. Getting paid, you know, this much money to write about stuff I love. And
1: well, it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. He never really was much oh, of a writer. I hated writing. Right? I
2: took one writing because somebody class college, who, when we went, when
1: we got it. our master's degrees at yeah. U of O, somebody <laughs> helped a lot with the papers. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I got paid well. <laughs> but it was just, yeah. you know, people often ask both of us, but particularly Scott, how did you get into outdoor writing? Yeah. And you know, it should be this story Plagiarism. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always love to uh, write. I've been taking notes since I was a little... C- Actually, his photo albums are all... He has like detailed accounts on in yeah, his yeah. photo albums so, from when he was a kid. Cool. So he yeah. liked writing about yeah. that. But So I
2: started trapping in like fourth grade. Yeah. But, I've but, been but hunting and fishing my whole life. But so not I a lot not, of not any kind of a cool but story no. like
1: I've loved to write and I used to do write poetry yeah. in my treehouse mm-hmm. or anything. I could see that too
3: though. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, but you we, poetry I kind of get that vibe from you. No, I get the treehouse get the, I get
4: The reason he even wrote the first
1: article, so we got these jobs in Indonesia. We were super excited for that adventure. And in two months, because we were out by, my, by October, uh, the whole entire island of Sumatra was on fire. There had been some very weird weather patterns with El Nino that year. And usually they slash burn all kinds of stuff in the tropics, but the fires weren't going out. And so... I mean, it was it was again one of those you can't see your hand in front of your face, but mm-hmm. this time it was smoke, and we were just kind of like, "What is with our luck here?" And uh, we we actually the whole um, teaching staff and all the kids in the in the oil company school we were working for got emergency evacuated, so they actually chartered a seven forty seven to get. You know, hundreds of us home and back to our respective locations whether it was Texas, Oregon, California and while we were here we had some friends living in Hawaii that said you should come visit us. We had actually landed in Hawaii to refuel. We okay. were like, we should just get off the plane. But we waited, <laughs> came back to Oregon and then got back on a plane and went to Hawaii. And So then you can talk about the hunt you went yeah. on, which is was the first article. It was. Article. So, yeah,
2: so I went on a sheep hunt for mouflon sheep and there were some studies just being done that classified them as the purest strain of mouflons in the world. and What island were you on? We were on uh, the big island, right? Mauna Loa Volcano. Mm-hmm. And um, and at the same time, they were going to eradicate these animals because of whatever, some rare plants at the top of the volcano right. or wherever these things were eating. So I thought, what a cool story. So I wrote it up on the plane ride home on a yellow you know tablet longhand and I thought wow that was really cool I started right when the plane took off and I ended literally when we landed in Eugene <laughs> and it was like the fastest flight of my life and I was like that is the coolest experience ever so <laughs> I sent it to a big magazine safari magazine and they they wrote back and they said that they loved it wanted to buy it and wanted to know if I had anything else and so I sent them a couple black tail articles and something else and and we kind
1: of thought, oh, once was kind of lucky. Yeah,
2: really And cool. twice, well, In hey, fact, I framed cool. it. In fact, the story <laughs> is hanging right over there on the wall. And oh, then, yeah. like, third the time, one. we were like,
1: wait a minute. Nice. Yeah.
2: And they, like, prevent uh, um, gave me professional writer status right off the bat, So which meant pretty good pay. And I thought, holy cow, are you kidding me? So half dozen articles into that, I thought, well, I should write a book on hanging in Alaska or subsistence lifestyle because I wanted to do that. You know, when I was old and I figured I'd write one book, so I wrote that book for Safari Press, and that became their best-selling um, limited edition book in the history of the company. They figured it'd take like three years for it to sell, and it sold out in three months. Mm. So the timing of everything to get into the industry was perfect. And then we did a um, more writing, did some stuff with, started working with Cabela's in the late 90s doing some website writing for them and um, it was
1: just a little just a little side
4: hustle yeah
2: yeah it was just some fun stuff and I enjoyed it and shot a tv show with them when we were home one summer and the show did good and it was up for some award golden moose award or whatever and I, they said do you want to come back and for the awards and I said no I don't I'm not into that whatever just you know <laughs> it's good, an awfully good, long good, plane g- flight yeah, for yeah <laughs> good luck I don't really care but I don't want to you know fly halfway around the world for that because we were still in Sumatra at the time when it this was going on oh okay and uh then we moved back the next year and a production company had seen that wolf creek productions out of um out of michigan and like well you you
1: forgot why we moved back so we decided after being married 10 years it was time for kids you know we were tired of each other you know we we (laughs) were bored not to have kids (laughs) (laughs) gotta be something else to talk about (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) so our plan was we were gonna come back here and start a family but um, I got pregnant over there and came back here to have Bra- – just on maternity leave and had Braxton. But in the meantime, I said, you know, I'm going to stay – I want to be a stay-at-home mom. That's I'd been just banking stuff. That was my savings yeah. account. I want to be a stay-at-home mom. That's what I want to do when I grow up. And <laughs> – Scott all of a sudden says, well, wait a minute. I don't, I don't know if I like the sound of this. <laughs> I think I want to stay home, too, because we were just thinking he'd come home, probably get a job at Thurston High School where his dad retired from after 30-some years. And um, he said, no, well, I want to stay at home, too. So we decided if we went back to Indonesia for a year, took Braxton, you know, ripped him out of the grandparents' hands, yeah. took him over <laughs> there, that we could bank um, at least one full salary and – like we figured it out that I told Scott, you, can, you got two years. You can be a stay-at-home dad for two years, and then you have to go get a real job. And uh, so, yeah, we came back here to be around the grandparents, and when Braxton was a little over a year, and
2: then I started doing some writing stuff and made $11,000 that first year. Gosh. And I said, see, hon, rolling. With <laughs> yeah. And we heart. only spent $15,000. <laughs> <Well>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he's the
0: like,
1: and so we only armor. took a few thousand out of our savings. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of watch it. And then, but. Every time you would get a call for an article or something or, or an opportunity to hunt, he'd be like, okay, plane fare is this much. Yeah. This is how much I'll eat. I'll take jerky <laughs> and uh, canned salmon. I'll sleep yeah. in the truck. And we'd be like, okay, you're going to spend $930. And he's like, they're going to pay me 1000 Like, Yes. Why not yeah. do so, yeah.
4: so, yeah, that, yeah. that
1: was... You know, that's kind of how it started. I think a lot of people, I mean, it was a real leap to just do that, but we couldn't have done that had we not, you know, socked some money away, started with the savings, started with our house, you know, paid off thanks to Alaska kind of thing. And otherwise, I think it would have been, you know, really stressful to do, Uh you know, to jump out and, you know, freelance and that type of thing. Because before that, I wasn't even thinking about writing at that time. But after he had a couple books published with fish in the fishing industry that's when they called and said hey you cook a lot of salmon right and i'm like as i have this bulging recipe file like, yeah. well yeah so <laughs> we both ended up doing things we had no yeah. idea we would do
2: yeah so we would we, plan on doing it for a couple of years and opportunities just kept coming up and then tv came up wolf creek productions out of michigan picked us up steve gruber and his crew and they were just Phenomenal! They did a lot. In fact, they produced Botech Show, and I hosted that for a couple of years.
0: Gruber is—he uh, headed up Wolf Creek. Yep, he was the owner. Oh,
2: wow. Yep, him and Tom Nichols. Okay, yep, Didn't yep. Know that. They had some great guys. Ryan Cornish was an awesome cameraman. He came out here and good friend, and Tom Nichols and. Yeah, well, before Ross, video
1: happened, you know, Scott started doing a lot more photography, and I realized, okay, that's for the, you know, sell the magazine articles and. We'd gone out doing, you know, hunting and fishing before, and you get the animal, and you come home, maybe snap one photo, you know, at the, in the back of the truck or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and he, when he started taking pictures, I'm like, oh, this adds like, this adds like 45 minutes or an yeah. hour, and I'd be kind of, you know, I'm ready to get home and you know see the kids, and and then when video started, and it was just here, we'll send you a camera, go do video, and so he really just was getting creative and 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 doing whatever to send clips in. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Now that's added like a couple hours. And then, as that moved along, pretty soon we had our own production company. And I'm out there for you know, you you <laughs> you get an animal. It's all fun. The hunt part, you get the animal, and then, oh my gosh, so yeah. much to do afterwards. Yeah. But.
2: So we were just in, <laughs> on, you know, at the right time. Uh,
0: so when so you guys first started, were you two basically going out and filming each other, yeah. and that yeah. was that was the crew. Yeah, yeah,
1: even like two days after he. Came home after an appendicitis. I had to go be the cameraman because the camera was too heavy. You weren't supposed to carry that around. <laughs> That's when I decided <laughs> I would not ever be Classic a professional <laughs> videographer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but <laughs> because and that the was before camera the cameras, cameras were. There. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. But yeah. then
1: you know it's already hard enough to turkey hunt sometimes and be quiet and everything. And then you had people and a camera and yeah. so when you get these things done there was so much like celebration yeah. <laughs> not just like oh yay we have dinner it's oh my gosh we have footage and photos and
4: yeah. <laughs> did you
3: hit record tell oh, me you hit yeah. record yeah. Yeah. you ever have any of those moments where oh you he had, you were there was somebody it, the, they yeah. still
1: call the guy red dot that yeah. poor guy in yeah. elkton <laughs> yeah. his Carol. nickname is red
3: dot yeah. It will be
1: forever because he missed... Darryl. I don't know what he missed. I it wasn't there. It was
3: oh. a bear. Did that just that make you want
2: to climb in a tree house and write oh. poetry? It, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> I have nightmares. I would have nightmares yeah. about pushing that button. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm surprised. You know, even today, like if we're filming projects for companies, that it still makes me nervous. And, but I'm surprised. I think it only happened twice. Um, once with Daryl, and it was a bear that was running that I shot. So it, was a, it happened quick. And then another time... Um, up in Alaska, Prince of Wales, and I did a spot in stock. It was a crossbow hunt for a bear and just made it, it was just phenomenal. And the cameraman stayed back behind me and I got, I think it was 11 yards from this bear and just crushed it with the with a Bowtech Striker through both shoulder blades. It went like seven, eight yards and just died right there. It was like, it that shows how yeah. lethal these things are. And and I was just jacked. I was just pumped. It was the greatest thing. And I was you know turning. The cameraman ran up and we were talking and doing the whole recovery and da da da. And, and we didn't know until that night that he didn't push. He actually picked up no, the camera no. to move it on the tripod. And when he did, he bumped uh, it. Yeah, stopped mm-hmm. stopped recording it. So. Oh, so, there was a couple, oh, and yeah, I once hard. hunted
1: turkey oh, in the rain. To, yeah, we
2: lost some For footage. like 12 hours. So it that one, yeah. was miserable,
1: and our kids were like, had to play, they were playing in this barn with grandpa, which was yeah. fun for about an hour and a half, and then the poor kids, I felt so bad. Yeah. And right at the end, right before dark, I the got the shot, and it was it, a great it? shot. No, it was when we had this weird, touchy, like a faulty oh, camera, yeah. and yeah. something happened with the footage, and I was like, yeah. I will never, ever do this again. Yeah. Well, not till next week. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, well, yeah. that was yeah. that was a tough one. Lost but.
2: another camera in the um, in a dust storm on an antelope archery hunt, which was a bummer because that was really cool footage made a killer shot on a big buck that was lost. You know, and yeah. that's all time and money. And but you know, then as we went on. It, you know, got to play, you know, we were then hired by, to work with the outdoor channel to host shows for them. We did startup shows for five years for them, I guess. And that was fun. Then we got big budgets, um, you know, got good production crews, uh, but then things just stepped up. And like Tiffany said, the opportunities came. So all of a sudden we went from filming our own hunts to now all of a sudden we're hosting two TV shows, you know,
1: and three guys, three cameramen are following you around. Yeah. And you're like, you know, f-
2: yeah, 52 <laughs> episodes a year. So, you know, for two shows. So you're going on, you know, 60 big game hunts a year. You're gone 280 days, a, you know, a year now. And then when you're home, you're home for Christmas sometimes. I only missed a few Christmases. I think I missed her birthday 13 years in a row.
1: That was fine because. Boy, do I get good birthday presents. Uh, the last October one, I, second, I,
2: actually, yeah. My <laughs> last
1: great birthday present, you were gone, and I got a bike trip to Switzerland. So, there you go. You hey. know, so, I, it all works. It's just off. the little yeah. things.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, some of the, the timing of that was off. But, you know, then we went into um, sports show season. You know, we'd usually end, usually with Hunts in Mexico early January.
1: Yeah, and um, we pull our kids out of school. They were just oh, at really? our local school right here, which was super understanding. And, and there were times when... You know, the sports show circuit starts in January, and, and we started doing all that stuff as a family. And, you know, Cabela's kind of wanted yeah. that representation sure. of the family. Cabela's and the kids were hunting awesome and fishing there. and yeah. and uh, pretty much say goodbye to school and just homeschool yeah. them on the road. And we had a lot of great yeah. times. And they really, they grew up, you know, underneath that sports show table pretty much. And yeah.
2: But and it was neat. Uh, there was one yeah. year we did, well, a couple of years, we were gone 15 out of 16 weeks you know you get home on a Monday and pack up and leave on a Wednesday and
1: and as they got older we kind of gave them the option if they wanted to come to some and and when we started doing like some different grand openings and flying places maybe not taking the kids it was just about the right time I think they were probably 10 and 12 or you know 9 and 11 and grandparents live right next door so we'd just leave the kids in the house and be like you'll be fine if you need anything call grandma and grandpa and it was a super cool thing because they learned so much traveling with us, but they also learned so much that couple of years where we left them here to just mm. fend for themselves. Yeah. And it
4: was a different really, kind of
2: su- uh, yeah. subsistence, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and they, they figured <laughs> out it out. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're gone. Go get the poppin' chips. No, actually, I
1: remember once when we left Braxton in a hunting cabin by himself, and we came back and we're like, How'd it go? Are you everything okay? And he looked super guilty. And <laughs> we're like, what did you do? And he gets this look, and he's like, I had three glasses of milk. Because I was oh, like, wow. you only get one glass of milk. I'm like not a big milk fan. I'm like, And he had had three glasses of milk. And then he confessed to having an extra brownie. So oh I'm like, you know what? If that's as bad as it gets, Rem- we're, of course, grand. we're like all, oh, oh, you better not yeah. do that anymore. We'll trust again. you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that when, uh, so obviously, like, did, was there a point? in this transition where you kind of stopped and looked and like, okay, well now I'm not hunting
2: to eat anymore. Oh, Substance. we ate it all. <laughs> yeah. well, And we gave a lot yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. sure. It's funny. One year she kept track of it. Um, and I think we got three elk that year, three elk, 10 or 11 deer, four antelope, four or five bear, um, a bunch by. of turkey, tons of fish, crabs, ducks, geese.
1: But it's amazing what two growing boys can eat when you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner.
2: We have five.
1: Well, three full ones, two half ones. Grandma and grandpa's (laughs) next (laughs) door. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But um, But, but our families eat well.
2: And and that's, I mean, honestly, for 15 years, that was every single meal. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner was fish and game. Every single meal. The only time we would buy any meat was if a company wanted her to do it. Yeah, sometimes, you know, somebody wants Hmm. me
1: to you know smoke a pork butt or something weird like that sure. and i'm like <laughs> sure. the worst the worst part is like chicken like that you have to buy in the store i'm like i don't even want to touch it i get yeah. so grossed out like throw me a like goat and we'll skin it and butcher yeah. it up. but if i have to touch supermarket meat
0: i yeah like, is that bad but, yeah. i don't know where that's been in store chicken bad yeah uh, if it's <laughs> no, tyson so right now because okay. i know they're uh, under some fire but it was fun, <laughs> like
1: you know, having having plenty to share. Like my grandpa lived to be 104, so oh, wow. he hunted clear till he was I think he hunted till he was 96. Jeez. Mm-hmm. And um, but after that, he just loved it when I'd bring him up a I hind quarter. Go. He'd make jerky, and I remember he was 102, and uh, I'd went up to see him, and he was all bummed. Ruined the jerky. Well, it was okay, he said, <laughs> as he was putting the screen in the old time smokehouse, yeah. putting the screen in. He fell into the into the smoke and in the fi- into the fire, and he uh, got a little got a little ashy, but it's fine. <laughs> it was fine. He was fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Never mind the jerky. Huh? How were yeah. the burns? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll heal. But so, well, like, you know, I mean, obviously, there was a, a time where you know it started to become a you know uh, a, business. a job. Yeah, yeah. A business. Yeah. So. I mean, 60 hunts, being gone that much, I mean, you guys kind of grew up, you were, you're obviously adventurous, so, um, but was there some times where it was a little bit uh, less enjoyable than, than you had, you had hoped or was it all?
1: Lots of pressure. Yeah. I mean, and it was hard, you know, even with the kids when they would be in hunting situations where they were being filmed, that pressure and, you know, we, we, we continually asked them. Okay, we are kind of on a roller coaster here. Our highs are really high, and our lows can be really low. Because you can be stuck out in a cabin somewhere, and it's freezing cold, and there's not very good food and... Somebody's having an asthma attack, and everybody's crying. Right. Scott probably didn't cry too much, but <laughs> but then you know a week later, <laughs> yeah. you're done with that pig hunt, and you go get to go to Disney World, and everybody else is back home in school. And so we uh, we'd have kind of family yeah. meetings and be like, you guys still good with the roller coaster? Is the is that going all right? You know, we could we could stop it all right now and just be normal. And they're like, ah, who wants to be normal? But yeah, the pressure and it was kind of hard, you know, to be supportive you know, Scott would call from somewhere and just no sleep and things happening, especially some of the tough places in Africa and everything. And he'd be like, I think I, I don't know, I'm ready. Maybe we should go back to teaching. And (laughs) I'd print out the job applications and have them ready. And he'd get home and be like, that was awesome.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of times, I mean, Alaska, Gosh, we had a boat sink once, um, we had planes go down, and you know, when it's happening, it's like, this is the last trip, I'm yeah. hanging it up and going home. Um, held at gunpoint in Mexico on a mule deer hunt. Really? One time while they searched everything. Care to and, expand on that, or? Oh. How detailed was the search? It, well, it, it was interesting, <laughs> because where we, where we were at, I was hunting mule deer out of Sonora, And there were these planes flying out, you know, right at night. Black planes, (laughs) black planes, no lights, you know. Yeah. Mm. So it's like, oh, obviously they're running drugs. I'm like, gosh, film that. So we're filming. it. Turn the red light on and point it. Then it's like, holy crud! Turn the cameras off.
1: Hide the cameras. (laughs) And and so the
2: whole time we're thinking, you know, they probably saw the lights blinking on the camera. So then we got stopped when we're leaving that day by these, you know, kids and Hummers and ARs and pointing guns at us and making us unload the cars and it's like they saw the freaking camera it's like just give them and we and we kind of had a backup tape you know it was oh, like okay. just give them backup tape tell them to destroy it that's the only one we have but it wasn't it they were just doing a regular check of i don't know what so they went through all of our stuff we made it at the airport with like five minutes and
1: Well, and we had a similar situation in Africa. Yeah. And a couple, and then we had the the kids with us then, and they were a little bit younger. And just getting pulled over, just randomly, out in the middle of nowhere, by people with guns. And, you know, the guy that was kind of taking care of us knew the right amount of money and what you're supposed to do, and... Whatever kind of paperwork, and you just don't even want to look. And you think, what? Have, why? What are we doing out in the middle of nowhere in this <laughs> desert with our children? And <laughs> and what? And actually, they had done uh, one of the trips. They did a tiny toy drive, and we filled two 50-pound suitcases full of little toys, like kind of like little Happy Meal toys. Yeah. and They they got some at church, and they did it at their whole grade school, and it was really fun for a lot of people to be involved. But we didn't realize that if you're trying to get those over the border um, from one country to another in <laughs> Africa, that you go through these customs that are just like a shack with like four guys. And they're like, they think we're starting a store. They think we're opening Running up a, a store, business. a, a mm-hmm. toy store. We're like, no, no, this is just to give away. And then they're like to give away. And finally we realized we just needed to give them all bags and said, take what you want for your kids. So <laughs> it worked out just fine. But mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. our kids are just looking at them with their, you know, big eyes and Got their guns and going, can we just get where we need to get?
2: <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, there were always touch and go moments. And then you're gone. I mean, there was one time, I think we started filming August 1st, and I got back like January 4th. And I was home four days in between there. So, it, you know, it was just, you were just checking in and going. And, and you know, you knew that wasn't going to last forever. So, I mean, without Tiffany's support, there's no way. I mean, she kept everything going at yeah, home in the business. Yeah, he'd call and say, we and need
1: to stay. on. be like, it's okay, you can do this. Yeah. And I'd get off the phone and be like, seriously, yeah. <laughs> I have to mow the lawn again. Yeah. No, but it really helped having, my parents live really close. Scott's parents live right next yeah. door. Yeah. There's a lot of this stuff we couldn't have done without yeah. their support. Yeah,
2: we just had a really good support system. and but, but it was, there was a lot of pressure. You know, once, once you got to that level where it's, you know, not just shooting a show that you're producing, but shooting a show that the Outdoor Channel owns, and it's their camera crew, and it's their production crew, and, you know, it's everyone's time. You know, some of the shots you were taking are $100,000 shots on an animal.
4: Yeah, I it, didn't like you that, know, kind of, that kind th- th- of pressure. There was, that, you know, that when it comes
2: hard. down to the business side of it, you know, here we are hunting yeah. an African lion that was You know, a fifty thousand dollar hunt for us. Yeah. But you know, most of them given to us, obviously, which is a great joy and a great, you know, perk of the business. But you miss an animal or make a bad shot, and you're wasting everyone's time. You know, the outfitter on the back end doesn't book the hunts. Um, That one outfitter we shot several shows with in Africa. Over the course of a few years, they booked, you know, over two and a half million dollars worth of hunts just off of the TV shows. So we were in the industry at a prime time when it was really impacting a lot of business and creating a lot of opportunity for for fellow hunters um to go it's funny because growing up i never did a guided hunt in my life and it's like why go on a guided hunt you know you just throw a pack on your back and go chase a blacktail till you kill it or
4: yeah
2: but then you get into the guided stuff and we had to with a volume we tried doing non-guided stuff and you just you don't you don't have the time um that it takes to to kill an animal especially a blacktail or you know a roosevelt Um, And get a good TV show, and go on to the next one. I mean, you know, during those times, if if we weren't getting a show every four days, then we're behind schedule. And that happens. So then it's like, okay, we're going to book a month in Africa, or two weeks in New Zealand. That's why the fishing
1: show was so nice. The couple of fishing a couple shows of fishing shows
2: we did, they were great. In fact, Gene Shans who was a Bowtech at the time, Bowtech was sponsoring a show, and you know, it's like, holy cow, you know, getting twenty six bow kills a year is tough. I think I ended up with like twenty three or something. It's like we need a couple of shows. What do you want to do, Gene? And he's like, well, let's go to Alaska fishing. Like, but it's a bow shows. I don't care. Everyone who hunts fishes will go up there. So sure. we went, and he got like a forty some pound king, and it was like one of the most fun relaxing shows ever and gosh he was a great guy i love that man Uh, yeah there were some good people we met along the way well that's a theme for
0: and you know we've all have uh acquaintances and have experienced a lot of cool things within the industry and uh but you know we talked to some of the other folks you included that are Uh, a little bit more behind the scenes with these TV shows. And that seems to be always the thing that is the grind. Or if it, you know, starts to turn people away from it is the pressure when it starts to become, you know, you know, uh, the folks that you're working for producing for saying you need to do this you know when it goes from i want to do this and this yeah. is the way i want the show to be done like and i want to putt. edit like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you know that's where it starts to become yeah a lot less enjoyable and, yeah. uh, and the pressure from from that side of things and the business side of things and well and, and taking uh,
1: your hobby yeah. something you right. love the most and when you turn that into your work i mean we both found my i loved cooking that was my one of my favorite things to do growing up, and you turn it into what your work is you definitely either have to quickly find another hobby or you end up kind of running yourself in the ground a little yeah. bit you know Scott will put in a 16-hour day I'll be like get off that computer you know It's yeah. like well I'm having fun
2: <laughs> 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 and I still enjoy the writing I mean it's still yeah. great I wrote an article today I think we sent off I think four articles today that I don't know what is it in middle of May here we've written 80-some articles already this year. I think we're up to more than that. Um, So it's still fun. I I enjoy that. But yeah, when things started changing, you know, when things really started changing was when in the TV world was when people could record it and TiVo it and fast forward through the commercials because all of a sudden it went from a hunting show, which was educational, to hunting, which was now entertainment and had to push products because if you didn't talk about the products... the the commercials were being buzzed over by everyone. And you know, that's trackable information. Mm. So who cares if we spend $150,000 on a commercial, if people are fast forwarding for it, we're not gonna sponsor it anymore. So unless you give us a minute of airtime, so now all of a sudden you have have the hunting industry hosts who now had to talk about the product, which, you know, people hate watching for the most part, seeing you push a product, but if you're not supporting those sponsors, it's going away. Mm. And then also a big fault of the outdoor industry, TV-wise, was that we were forced—I was fortunate because Jim Zemo and I were the first two to host TV shows that were actually owned by the Outdoor Channel. So we didn't have to buy our time into those shows. We were paid to produce them. But everyone else in the outdoor industry had to buy their time, which, you know, TV doesn't work that way. Yeah. The TV world is, you know, a, production, a, a network pays you and a crew to go out and shoot and produce a show, and you make your living— in the outdoor industry, you had to buy your time. You had to buy your own, you know, find your own sponsors. And then you had to handle all the production of it too. So it was really a, it was really a a ship that was destined to sink from the beginning. And, And we could see that coming and we knew, and we actually got out of TV, what, five years ago now. And we, we, we could, the ship had been sinking for a few years, but we knew that it was going down big time. And we got out at the right time and no regrets with yeah. that.
1: Yeah, yeah. We and it was right when our oldest son was kind of getting into tagging along and as behind the camera instead of in front of the camera hunting as much and putting stuff together and little promo things and so it was neat because we've been able to keep him. He's been a business partner of ours now. Yeah, since he was ten, he started doing mm-hmm. things. But the TV kind of morphed into more uh, instructional videos and just doing different things, different partnerships with companies and and uh, working did with. Did he
0: bring that to your attention? Like, did he start seeing that? It's just interesting. Well, he this. would
1: be part of a conversation and be like, "Well, I can do that." And we had a couple of cameramen <laughs> on our staff when we had the production company. Mm-hmm. And Braxton started being like, "Well, I can do that. Why are you paying him? I'll start doing that." And so we kind of just went, "Well, sure, if you think so," because you don't really think your ten-year-old knows what they're doing, <laughs> <laughs> and and he he kind of did. So as he stepped, you know, on kind of to the other side, it was right about the time it worked out really well. Where we were looking into other ways, because really, when it comes down to it, teaching is teaching is really what's in our blood, and the most fun that we both have is. You know, uh, teaching a seminar together of you know how to butcher an animal and cook it up and and even with Scott when he was the host of various shows was there was always this education element. It wasn't about being silly. I mean he's funny, but he didn't really want to show all that silliness yeah. out there to so like keep it serious. This is you know living off the land and and all of that but but yeah, so we were able to. So, we still do a lot of video production work. Mm-hmm. It's just not. You know, yeah, it's funny.
2: So, when we first got into writing, um, there was an outdoor writers' conference thing. I never belonged to any of those, and I was just never into it for whatever reason. But um, someone told me when we started doing this for a living, you know, well, there are only 400 people in the us that actually make a living solely from writing like holy cow that's less than you know the number of players in the nba and i just someone told me the other it's been two months ago now that there are less than 50 of us left so it's been a very Mm -hmm. volatile industry but like tiffany said we've been able to to go with the changes and we still to this day can't can't keep up with the opportunities, which we're really blessed for. But we've always stuck to our guns. We've passed up.
4: Well,
1: we kind of you know put our fingers yeah. in a lot of things. You know, yeah. we've been written. We've written over together over 20 books, so that was kind of a part of it. And then with the articles, and then you know writing for different blogs, and you know TV was in in, in a couple of the situations. TV was definitely like where the money was at and the security. But then again, it was TV, yeah. and uh, so. But then speaking, it, it, it really and varied. And then yeah, the speaking. Yeah and sports shows and and all that and then personal endorsements you
2: know we've had some great sponsors over the years Cabela's we've been with them for oh my gosh almost 20 years now and and you know they're undergoing change now with Bass Pro and so forth. But the, you know we, we wouldn't have been able to make it in this industry were it not for them. But they realized it. You know they knew that we had huge expenditures on our on our end. And if you're to do this for a living, you and
1: neither one of us are yeah. good at the marketing or the selling, uh, like the calling worst, up a company. We're terrible. You know what we can do for you. And yeah. And I think we often said, gosh, if we'd had somebody, you know, that would have. Uh, Helped us do that kind of thing. Yeah. It would have probably been yeah. a little bit smoother. We're terrible. But we're the
2: worst marketers. We're just like we're if it
1: happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't.
2: <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> early on, we started a policy. That said we would never contact a sponsor, and and we never did.
1: Or even, and, I mean, even with our books. You know, we're really excited. You publish a book, and you should really take it out there and and uh, you know do little book talks and this and that. We both will finish a book. We're like, cool. You know, maybe go out to dinner. What's your next book? We, honestly, come back home and look at the book finished and start on the next one. <laughs>
4: like know, the next we day. We love the, so the was...
1: producing of things, but yeah. we're pretty bad at the marketing and the selling and all that stuff. <laughs> is the is the,
3: is the the reason for the dwindling number of writers who are still successful, is that you contribute that to digital?
1: So much information out there. You know, information yeah. online. And, yeah.
3: That's where people are going now yeah, to I get their entertainment. So. Yeah. yeah. Do, you do you
0: see on that kind of follow up to that it do you see these these larger media outlets though searching for good I mean content's one thing and there's a lot of content but there's a lot of bad content, yeah. a lot mm-hmm. of bad writing. It's so frustrating to read articles and see grammar mistakes and see all this stuff. And you know, it's just because they're under, again, mm-hmm. such pressure yeah. to be the first one out about something, have a, have a take, yeah. have an opinion. Um, do you guys see obviously with your track record and your history that there's still a need for good writing?
2: It's coming full circle. Um, definitely. So, so early on, you know, back in the day, you know, there were some just phenomenal writers, Boddington, Bob Robb, Shocky was a phenomenal writer. Um, you know, I I was able to get in on, on kind of the back end of, or their back end of their writing careers and, you know, be friends with some of those, but all of us, we're basing our writing on, on personal experience and 95% of our writing was the experience of the hunt or the fishing trip. It was, it was there was never any how-to stuff. Uh, there was never any mention of gear, you know, um, like <laughs> there it was. were no influencers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> th- there were none. <laughs> and, 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 and then the biggest change I noticed, um, early 2000, uh, were when a lot of editorial staffs changed, um, back in the day, the editors were editors. They went to college to be editors. They were editors. A lot of them didn't hunt and fish, and it was great. They they didn't want to. Then you got a lot of these magazines hiring people that, oh, gosh, they're just out of college. that They want to learn how to hunt and fish. So now they're the editor, and we're going to send them on a hunting or fishing trip you know, or two a year, and they can write about that, and we don't have to pay out sort outside writers to do that. So you saw the quality dropping off extremely fast um, and then you saw products starting to be pushed and then came the cell phone so you saw a lot of photos with cell phones that were just garbage um, and we really you know we were fortunate because a lot of our writing didn't really slow down but we noticed uh, a big a big lack of quality. But here in the last probably three or four years, two or three years, magazines are coming around. They're wanting, you know, the authentic photographs. They're wanting the knowledge, not just filler space that anyone could... Didn't do, I, I, I've, I've always said the day that I have to sit down and write an article that I could generate where I don't have to go out hunting and fishing, I'm getting out of writing Mm -hmm. because I want it all based on personal experience. Mm -hmm. Just like TV, you know, you could hire any good looking host nowadays and who's way better on TV than we would ever were, um, Way more articulate, but you can tell as soon as they grab a rifle or a bow that they've had <laughs> that they haven't held it long, yeah. and the, and it's the same with writing. You can tell in the first paragraph whether or not that person has has the background knowledge and the depth, the experience that really allows them to convey information, and and magazines are coming back around, right. you know, but to wanting they're still
1: challenged with all the other information on the internet. Yeah. It's just hard to curate the information, and especially for those people out there that are trying to learn how to hunt and, you know, whether that's the, like, 25 to 45-year-olds that are, like, I want to learn something. And it's still probably the best place to still learn is going, you know, to some of those sports shows or going to seminars where you're actually face-to-face with some of the people. Because when you type in, how do I hunt a black-tailed deer, I mean, you're going to get so much stuff that's going to be so contradictory and confusing. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting what's happening with information, but I think that's any career. I mean, even looking at things out there for education or, or teaching and something looks all shiny and you realize, oh, that's just something to be sold or, you know, through all the different social media outlets, you just don't, (laughs) it's hard to trust what's out there and hard to find the right, the good information. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But we're the eternal optimist, you know, when I, uh, when I first started got getting into this industry, and I talked to Craig Boddington, and I just thought he was the best outdoor writer of all time. Um, I like some of Jack O'Connor's work too, but I just really like Boddington's down to earth stuff and, and, uh, and, I, and Zumbo. And I talked to both of them, and both of them told me, they said there's always room for, for good writers out there. And they, and they both said by good writers, they're hunters first and writers second. I thought, wow, and that always kind of stuck with me. And I and I and I'm still a firm believer that there's still room for for those kind of people in the industry. You know, that, that have the knowledge that they're not just doing it to be famous. You're never going to be famous in the hunting world. So few people hunt and fish. That's 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 just a myth. But but you know, I remember talking to one one gal in the industry a few years ago who is just a huge name in the industry, and she's like, "Gosh, I want to write a cookbook one day." And was trying to pick Tiffany's brain, and and uh, you know Tiffany had five or six really popular cookbooks that really did well for us. And and Tiffany's like, well, what do you what are you going to write about? Well, I don't know. I really just don't. I don't eat much wild game. I just use like cream mushroom soup. But I'll just get the recipes from everyone else. And it's like, great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, more power to you. So here, you know, here's a big name who probably would have sold more cookbooks than we ever would have. But just just the fact that 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 mentality is out there and being fostered it, to me, it's like a facade Mm -hmm. and, and, and and I think it's going to be short lived, um, as opposed to bringing in, you know, uh, just knowing, I mean, you sit down and talk to someone or listen to someone like Tiffany said at a seminar, you, you can't pull the smoke over, people's eyes at a seminar we've been doing some live stream stuff for odfw the last couple years and and of all the things that we've done in the industry that's my favorite of anything we've done radio speaking together nationally at nra anywhere
1: i still like radio because i can do it in my pajamas
2: yeah radio podcasts Podcasts, yeah because we can all sit here yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) but but the live streams you're you are you're on.
1: Yeah. People will ask questions. There's no script. We've done some hunts.
2: Very interactive. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's okay to say, gosh, I've never heard that question before. Or no, please don't do that with your deer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we've done
2: some, you know, some hunts. We've broadcast live hunts and, and, you know, you can't, you, you just, you can't fudge that. Same with the questions, same with the cooking, you know, the cooking seminar or the cooking presentations Tiffany does are hugely popular. Um, but but there's no to me that's to me that's the the greatest kind
4: of the test platform
2: <laughs> yeah to really get in genuine information out there and the true test of of as far as a content provider goes of to what you can really do yeah
0: how so on the cookbook side of things or the cooking side of things, how has that changed from you know years ago when you wrote your first cookbook and you know to now uh, i i don't know. the space very well as far as the cooking side of things i mean we listen to meat eater and you know we know steven ranella's stuff and like that's it's really cool to see like the cooking part of it brought to the forefront and i think as more families get involved and you know you you brought up this earlier like okay you know i want to go hunting and you know i've i've talked to friends of friends you know wives and girlfriends be like i want to get into hunting and sometimes the husband doesn't even do it which is really cool yeah you know and it, one of the things that has been asked of our podcast, and you do, would you guys do some stuff on just like how to get into hunting? But then, and how many times have you been there where, <laughs> you know, you really have to think it through, whether yeah. you're, am I going to be able to pack this animal out in a, uh, a, an amount of time that's going to be ethical and just be able to, you know, there's so many of those things. If you're a new time hunter, yeah, you usually start small.
1: That's, that's start start with small. Yeah, that's the nice last thing you think turkey about. Turkey hunting, yeah. ducks and mm-hmm. geese. Yeah. you know, and in that this people want to go right for the elk. Like right. I want an elk. I'm going to go get one. And really to and and Scott writes a lot of articles on and keeping sharp and learning how to hunt. And he's taken several people under his wing, and they don't start with elk.
2: Yeah, start small. Ducks, geese, you know, upland birds, turkeys are a great thing. Bears are, are you know, bears are, the fun of bear hunting stops when you pull the trigger. But, <laughs> but but bears, you can learn a lot about them and a lot about other wildlife when you're out there.
1: But also there's a lot of but, people out there that have freezers full of game and, um, you know, maybe Uh, one person in the family doesn't like it i mean i'm just constantly trying to talk to people just cook try it try it 10 different ways cook it every single night don't buy any more meat at the grocery store until your freezer is empty or or don't save it for a special occasion or don't just make jerky or whatever it takes you know some people only like the burger and they you know they butcher it all up and like well we ate all the burger but we don't know what to do with the other stuff you can turn the whole animal into burger if that's the way you're going to eat it. Just maybe not the backstrap and the tenderloin. But <laughs> yeah. Or jerky or, or, or right. whatever. Just do what you'll use. And, you know, it's that practice. And once you've done, you know, started cooking it and then it several days in a row – you're going to get it down and, and pretty soon um, you'll realize, you know, a lot of people need to realize that venison tastes like venison and it's not supposed to taste like beef. And yeah. Ducks will never taste like chicken. They'll taste more like beef and, yeah. you know, just different things to not be afraid of. And and like I said, I'm way more comfortable with any kind of wild animals than I am with, I don't know, who's touched the meat, you know, in the store. So no offense to all those, the beef counts <laughs> <more> and whatnot. <laughs> but I
2: think that's been Tiff's strong suit is just making it real for people. You know, one time in a seminar, someone started saying something. She said, don't you dare say that you cook a turkey in, on a plank and throw the turkey away and eat the plank. You know, it's, they, there's just so many stereotypes about wild turkey and bear, especially. And bear is my favorite. I'll take bear over elk any day.
4: I started uh, bringing it, bear
1: fat to the seminars. We can't really feed people the bear, but showing people how to render down the fat, which people are still amazed like how beautiful that bear fat is because they you know of course if you drove around with it in the back of your truck for the rest of the day it's all going (laughs) to smell awful but um, I'd render that down and before people even knew what I was talking about if they'd come up after the seminar people be grabbing the little chitlins out of the out of the fat and thinking because it smelled like bacon Mm. even kind of that smokiness but obviously there were no seasonings in it and they're just eating the stuff and like oh wow this is really good bacon or pork rinds or Whatever they think I'm making, it's like you just you're eating all the bear stuff, and they're
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. like, "What?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, there, there were times when I mean, book sales were really good. Um, she did a lot of work for publishers and for for companies. Yeah, there, you know,
1: book sales are just down. With cookbooks, you know, people are like, "I have 27 cookbooks," and and get you everything know. online. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, hey, anybody who's listening, want a book? Buy one, get one free. Yeah. Go to our website. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, mention yeah. Praying we will give yeah. you a, a bonus. The one thing, <laughs> and right. I've always just taken my photos. I try to have a photo for every recipe. And um, if you look at the evolution of my photography, it definitely has improved as cameras have improved. Right. And But they've always been real. And I've had publishers say, you know, you should just cook that turkey halfway. And then you get a blowtorch out and you do this and that. And oh. then you put Elmer's glue on it. And I'm like, you know what? You don't know how hard it was to get that turkey. Yeah. I mean all the meat we've gotten we've gotten ourselves, and uh I'm like, no way am I we're gonna eat yeah. that. We ate everything I've ever taken a picture of, and my poor kids I don't think have had a hot <laughs> meal in you know yeah. their whole life or or when I was doing the seafood book <laughs> they it was during the summer and we were kind of trying to finish up photos after lots of recipe development and they were both and they're like we're hungry Do we have breakfast and i'm like well over on the table there i've already photographed you know octopus squid <laughs> there's a there's some lobster um and, and they're like mom you know it's 9 30 in the morning yeah. like
2: that's yeah. it so go make your own breakfast yeah. if you don't want to eat this <laughs> <stuff."> <laughs> but it was funny there'd be times she'd get on a roll with a cookbook where i mean 15 16 17 recipes a day really um, i think you know, that was in my the record because well, so, wow. a lot yeah. of times
1: you'll develop recipes and you'll try it and you'll you'll yeah. tweak it and I'll take photos and then I'll change it again and have to re-photograph yeah. it. So then
2: you call the in-laws to help yeah, clean up the kitchen. Yeah, going to m- say that. Yeah. Uh- we've had, <laughs> our
1: neighbors have been eating well for years. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: but it's not easy either and that's one of the things I respect about Tiff is, you know, again, we've just, we've always vowed to stick to the authenticity like the bird, uh, game bird cookbook that she did.
1: Which took six years. Yeah, it took
2: six years.
1: You can't get that many d- pigeons d- apparently or what was it, doves? What, yeah, which one can we it only just get two d- You know, off? doves, <laughs> yeah, Doves, pigeons, you know,
2: (laughs) grouse. So I was traveling all around the West all at that time and bringing home what I could. But, you know, she's like, well, Well, I'm not going to put that recipe in there because it was terrible. It's like, gosh, I can only get two more birds and not until next year. We'll (laughs) put it on the list. We'll get them next year. Yeah, (laughs) it took me a while to get my birds down. Yeah, yeah.
0: We got it. I I noticed. So we're sitting in Scott and Tiffany's Uh, auxiliary trophy room, which (laughs) I want to be, I want to be able to say that someday, my auxiliary (laughs) trophy room. It's not the main trophy room, but there's a lot of birds in here. That was the first thing I noticed. A
2: lot of birds. Yeah. I I grew up bird hunting. And then uh, as we got into TV and so forth, you know, big game, you know, rifles and scopes is where the, the sponsorship dollars were. So got into big game hunting, pretty, pretty heavy for 15 years. And
1: well, then we got the dogs, and then you went yeah. way Once back. Once TV to went <laughs>
2: away, we got the dogs, and then went. I've, I've
1: never is, cooked someone so many asked ducks the and other day, they, they, as the year yeah. before last yeah. was that. Like, that's all we ate, breakfast, yeah. lunch, and dinner pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and someone
2: and asked me not long ago, they said, so if you had a choice, because I really want to get a Eurasian widget. said, if you had a choice between a Eurasian widgeon and a 375 bull, which would you shoot? No question, you'd shoot the widget yeah, every total time. Bird nerd. Yeah, he is a bird nerd. So, so you can't air this. I, <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I uh, <laughs>
3: saw a picture. Uh, guy harvested one. Yeah. In Oregon yeah. last year, it was like uh, a
2: freak thing. No, I have tons of pictures of them, but they're yeah. always after the season and yeah, yeah. No, I have thousands of pictures, and I've just never shot one. I went up to Alaska this year trying to get one, all the way up there isn't just that, for that.
1: Isn't, isn't that the reason that?
0: No <laughs> you should go back up to Alaska Th- the last that's the emperor and find some more
2: well, play. so there's an emperor goose I want to get up there, and I've seen him before, and I've applied the last two years they became they became uh, available to for hunters they opened up the season for the first time in twenty five years and we'll never draw a tag so, so that your
0: bucket list? Do you guys have a bucket list, something that it's hard to fathom yeah the emperor
2: goose but. yeah is uh is a yeah a good so one so
3: how have see. you um, how have you trained your Irish bulldogs to retrieve this waterfowl? <laughs> That's my question. I just, I just don't
2: know how they do it. Our
1: Bijan Papillon she yeah.
2: goes yeah. after us. I- yeah, yeah. <laughs> a heavy shot caller. Uh, your retriever of choice? Poodle pointers. Poodle pointers. Yeah, we, we, we did a lot of bird hunting as we were traveling around the world and hunted with a lot of different breeds of dogs. And once we hunted with the poodle pointer, a few times, saw how versatile they were, and and I work them year-round.
1: Well, and for me, it was hanging out with the Poodle Pointers in the cabins. They're like the loveliest. you can have the most stud of a dog that just is all business, and it comes in and lays on your lap, and they are just sweethearts, and I I, I got to know 18 of them before I said, okay, fine, because we've always had the little dogs, the super not-manly dogs (laughs) in our house, but... Yeah, yeah, they've been super yeah.
2: fun. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably about the only regret I have of of not being able to re- include them in TV at times because they're such an amazing animal and they'll work so hard. And I've had them all over hunting with me and shed hunting and squirrels and they. I mean, they do everything: ducks, geese, pheasant, chucker, quail.
1: They actually bring our when I'm editing his work. I'll be in somewhere in the house. <laughs> our upstairs, house is pretty big, and I'll call one of them and. They uh, actually fetch it, take it to him, yeah. take it to dad. Oh, really? And yeah. they bring Sweet. him the papers. Yeah,
2: oh, nice. <laughs> They're fun. Yeah. So yeah, it would have been fun to share with the world on TV what they were like. But we've done quite a few little videos with them. And but at the same time, I think TV might have marred that relationship. So everything so happens for a reason. So much pressure for a dog. They did charge us way too much. Yeah. No, <laughs> they've been really fun. No, it's been fun. Well, good. So what's next? Gotta go get that emperor
0: goose.
2: Yeah. (laughs) But Mm. to do that. (laughs) So I didn't draw You have to be a resident (laughs) of Alaska. Well you you can apply as a non resident this last year, last two years. I didn't draw. I had friends that drew. They gave out twenty five permits last year, I don't know how many this year. And it's like, gosh darn, hon, we need to move to Alaska. So I can get residency to get this emperor goose. And she said, all that for one goose? I'm like, no, you'd have residency too, duh, to get two geese. (laughs) (laughs) be a good move.
1: So before he knew it. So, yeah. yeah.
2: So, yeah, we're going to be moving to Alaska in August. Um,
1: Well, actually, we'd always kind of thought about going back up there um, to teach and uh, waiting for the kids to go to college. So we got one in college and one who's a junior in high school. And he's gone up, the junior has gone up and, and done some ice fishing in the Arctic and thought it was a really cool place. And so we would kind of joke around like, yeah, if I get sick of the kids here, I'm moving to Alaska. And he said that enough times. And finally, he's like, hey, why don't we go before I go to college?
2: Yeah, last we can, summer, he We could go to
1: Alaska. And, and meanwhile, I had gone up and, and done some ice fishing, too. And I just, all of a sudden, it was like stepping back to 1990. Like, I can breathe here. <laughs> Nobody's bugging me. It's so quiet. And loved that time up there in those remote places where your time was your own time and it's a really great feeling I guess it's what people feel like when they go spend you know a couple weeks at a cabin or in hunting camp and and so I was kind of thinking "Mm, I'm ready Uh, but of course you know Scott's doing his thing and I just really you know wanted to support what he's doing and I think I just secretly prayed about it enough to where (laughs) you were like let's do it and uh yeah we all kind of came together and so Kasdan and Scott and I are heading up there. And also because our older son decided to live at home and go to U of O, we couldn't get him to go somewhere. <laughs> so you have to leave. So we're leaving. And he's like, yeah, would you guys just he's leave so I can have my own yeah. college experience here? So he's going to he's so house it. He is psyched. Yeah. That, so everybody's kind of happy. Kasdan gets an adventure and and Scott's going to get his Emperor Geese, hopefully eventually, yeah, in eventually in the next couple of years. Um, I've been kind of Jones in to get back in the classroom because I've yeah. I've done a lot with yeah. homeschool kids and groups and I te- I go talk a lot in the public schools, but I do love I love a class the classroom yeah. and, and uh yeah, so we're super excited. We'll probably come back and Braxton will probably have yeah. five exchange students living with <laughs> right. him. Yeah, from- <laughs> who knows? Yeah.
2: But but I'm I'm excited because we uh we had to um renew our certification so um we took some or in the process of taking some college classes, but we, I spent about a week, a few weeks ago, three or four weeks ago on just nothing but these college classes and getting back into education. And, and, and it was the first time in 18 years where I've been at the house. And, you know, when we first started our business, um, someone advised us, they said, don't make your office in your house because you'll never escape it. And that's it. I mean, I don't know, I couldn't even count the number of twenty-hour workdays I've had here, but it's all been fun, and I haven't viewed it viewed it as work. You didn't but even
1: do air quotes, fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But even you know, just being your own business owner and producing all the content that we have, I mean, we couldn't have done it for without that much dedicated work out of the home, and um, and that was honestly the first time in eighteen years where I haven't, I didn't write an article, I didn't do anything business related that week. And it was like, it just felt like there were angels on my shoulder the whole week. It was Mm -hmm. just, I just felt like the biggest weight had been lifted off me. And, you know, it's like, part of me is like, oh my gosh, you know, you've worked 22 years in this industry and you're going to throw it away to go back to Alaska? You know, wait until the bottom really drops out. But at the same time, at the end of that week, I was like, there was no question. God was just saying, now is the time. Everything happens for a reason. I've prepared you for this. And then, you know, as I look back at this 22 year career, you know, there really never, I guess when the show went on Netflix was kind of the pinnacle of, of our achievement in the industry because that was just far and away exceeded anything that we expected. Um, but at the same time, all of that just kind of was a, re- uh, of a stepping stone to get us to our next journey in life to Alaska. So, yeah. But, yeah, so it's all been fun.
1: Yeah, it's all been a bit of a surprise. And we really never set out, we never had these specific goals. We want to get here, or get there. Yeah. And we always felt like, and, and when again, when people ask us, how did you get to all these places? It's just, we looked for do- doors to open and they some doors did magically open. Some doors we had to push really hard or or work really hard to get through it but it was just really didn't feel like it was designed by us it kind of just feels like
0: it was yeah
2: right away until it crashes hop on the next one
1: yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well that's awesome. Congratulations. So when for sure when
3: when, when is this taking place cuz I, I mean I need to bring my books up here to get them all signed yeah. <laughs> like, before you guys move off. Yeah, so
1: we head up this we'll start this fall up there and, and yep. the the cool thing is we we really thought we'd head back to the Arctic cuz again, love the people and the 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 crazy harsh land is just kind of fun to feel like you can survive. I don't know (laughs) why, but, but, um, we ended up, um, the opportunities weren't there that we thought were there. And so we really kind of shut down the idea. We didn't think there, there was a lot of budget cuts happening in Alaska with education and, and all of a sudden we had decided, nope, we're staying, it's fine. In fact,
2: I'd started making plans for next fall's yeah, hunting season already. Yeah,
1: and, and, you know, we've got one kid moping around because he's not going to have the house to himself, the other kid <laughs> moping around because he doesn't get to move to Alaska. And I was just kind of like, oh, well, now I get to do another bike trip this fall, right? <laughs> but but then <laughs> we we got a call from a tiny, tiny, like one of the smallest school districts in, for this opportunity to be a, two teachers at a school where they're absolute district goal is get the kids outside whether you're you know building chicken coops or fishing for salmon every day or and we, we're in a, yeah we're ending up in a place that has the highest concentration of bears and yeah and so it's like how where did this place even come from i mean if you really put a thing where scott and tiffany should be going this little <laughs> place is it and so um, it was really cool i you know we've heard it's a little bit of a quirky community which will be super fun and, yeah and and, yeah, it's just it's just crazy how yeah. things work out. Again, yeah. we could not have dreamed of, of this kind of a next chapter. Yeah, it's
2: pretty neat. So it's a little tiny community of less than 80 people. Um, we'll be the only two teachers there teaching first through 12th grade um
1: it's right on the border of canada they get all their power they get their cell service all their everything from canada
2: so
1: we're practically going to be canadian
2: yeah Yeah. (laughs) and that's kind of cool (laughs) it's the easternmost town in alaska and it's the only town in alaska that's actually on pacific time because they're working with canada there so
1: and i think what is it told
3: thousands of people that listen to this podcast Uh, where you're going to be at I'm sure they we, can
2: narrow oh. it down. The deep
1: <laughs> south of the far north. That's what, yeah, they, that's call what they call this area. It. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: It's actually the the neighborhood. Good of luck the,
1: googling. There's not yeah. a lot of information out there. We there's are not, just uh, yeah. we've been calling people on the actual telephone <laughs> because uh, yeah, when we were interviewing we said, hey, what about cell service? Oh, there's no cell service here. Yeah. What about internet? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. So, so
2: you go out to yeah. the end of the pier and hold your phone. Up wow. this way when the wind's blowing. You have to do
1: a yoga pose yeah. while we're on the phone. Yeah, so.
2: yeah. But, no, but
1: it's 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 going to be exciting. Yeah.
2: But, yeah, the little town is named Hyder, Alaska. Um, it was a big mining town in the late 1800s, and it's officially a ghost town now. It's on the road system. So you guys can come up and visit us. Can't we'll, wait. We'll go fishing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Podcast like episode time. number two. Yeah, there you go. A mere twenty-two
1: <laughs> hours from our doorstep. Yeah,
2: right there. <laughs> oh, is that? How, is that yeah. only how far? It is? It's pretty close. Yeah. It's yeah.
1: a lot closer than
2: actually-
1: Barrow. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because when we first moved to Alaska, we were up in the Arctic, as far north as you could go. Barrow was our central office. So, so we're going from two months of you know twenty-four hours of darkness and. What, yeah. 199 days, one day below zero, or one year below zero in a row, to the banana belt as far south as you can go on the road system. Yeah,
1: there, and so. apparently, if you just say "shoe," the bears go. Yeah, they shoe.
2: So yeah, it's, a lot it, of it, too. It's noted for bears. Yeah. Brown bears and and black bears are thick. Like, yeah, my, uh, my dad has visited that area.
3: Yeah, and fished a lot, and he recalls a story, and he's told it like, you know, he tells it a lot. Yeah, but uh, basically, he was fighting a chinook and out walks big bear stands up on its back feet his buddies up the upstream about 10 yards throwing rocks at it and he said (laughs) it was a pretty nerve-wracking moment and because you know obviously they were on that bear's fishing grounds yeah but yeah he said there's a lot of bears up there yeah yeah but uh, I'm okay. sure if you just tell them your name, they'll, they'll scurry away. Do yeah. <laughs> yeah. you, you know who I am? <laughs>
2: no, it's been fun. I've spent a lot of time in that area and have fished around bears and hunted around bears I've Been within a few feet of bears up there. It's, I'd rather share a fishing hole with a bear than a human any day. <laughs> yeah. it's pretty enjoyable. Yeah.
0: Well, that's cool. It's really neat that you're able to get back to what you, what you guys love, which is, you know, with teaching. Yeah. 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 So I, I keep thinking of this parallel, this whole conversation with, you, you know, you listen to comedians and super successful comedians that have flourished into TV, you know, whether it's the Jerry Seinfeld's of the world or, you know, Kevin Hart's and they do movies and they're known for these big productions and like Jerry Seinfeld he still does stand up and yeah. it's still like, he's like, I will do that until like, yeah. you know, yeah, I, and it's, it's just a similar pal, uh, path, you know, where mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's raw and it's you know it's you have to be creative. You don't have people telling you what to do as far as you know the productions and all that and and uh, well I will be really the uh,
1: the lead teacher so <laughs> <and> <laughs> I will be his boss so there will be somebody telling him what to
3: do. Back to the see, it all comes yeah. in a circle. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Do you guys have the administrative duties as well? Yeah, yeah. Stu- yeah. We, really? we both have our wow. administrative degrees. Yeah. So
2: yeah, hmm. yeah. So we'll yeah.
1: But I'm taking so on the, the extra super. contract So, days. So she's going
2: to do that so mm-hmm. I can still be like Jerry Seinfeld because I, I don't know if you I'll – You just write I'll, me a
1: joke a day. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like yeah. Jerry does. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever quit writing fully. I love – the outdoor writing and photography are my favorite things. Yeah. So. so, yeah, I'm looking forward to
1: Well, and sharing this kind that. of stuff, there's so much – again, these classes that we've been taking and so many of the things we've been doing over the years to really put into a classroom. And basically, you know, we're going to have outdoor school – every single day up there and we're just super excited that we found a district that actually wants us to do that. So <laughs> we'll be you know we'll be cooking lunch and breakfast for the kids yeah. and in a Dutch oven out in oh. three feet of snow and yep. uh That's you know awesome. after they go gather, you know, frogs for frog legs or yeah. whatever we're doing. <laughs> there are a bunch of bullfrogs up there, right? That's I think yeah, they I heard there are that. frogs up there. I don't so. know.
2: I know there's a lot of salmon.
1: Frog leg quiche, anyone <laughs> yeah. for breakfast?
2: Yeah, might get the wolf trap line going again. So the I cricket miss doing farm. That, so. We get to do all our well, yeah. All cool. kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. It'll we'll be we'll fun. definitely need to connect fun again journey.
0: after, you know, a season or two. And if you guys are back down or, or we'll drive out yeah. to a quick weekend I, trip. Yeah. I might Absolutely. not come back. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's see. Braxton graduates at some point. So it would matter. Yeah, maybe. No, we have, think, well, we man. think our, after
1: our youngest is with us in there for his final, his senior year, um, there can be some pretty cool deals up there if he decides to maybe stay in Alaska. Yeah. So if yeah. he's going to college up there. Um, I don't know where we'll all, you know, when you've got kiddos, you kind of mm-hmm. never know where you're going to end up, and we're um we're a pretty tight knit family. So as long as one doesn't end up in L.A. and the other in New York, and we end up in Nebraska, yeah,
0: you know, <laughs> <laughs> isn't really there anymore. Yeah, right? that's right. <laughs> yeah. I'd still take Nebraska over those two. Places. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. So what we do usually, just a quick round about what we learned after a conversation. Um, I'll start because. This is just awesome. I thought we weren't going to do that. Uh, well, I'll do it.
3: This is the most professional we've been in I know, 26 it's podcasts. <laughs> sorry. We were doing so well until now.
0: <laughs> well, I learned that you. it is very possible to track and kill a polar bear with nothing but a flashlight and an old 30-odd-six. Nader, you got anything?
3: I learned... Creamy mushroom soup apparently makes anything taste good. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's not a very good, place good for you
1: anymore. I now have a homemade, from scratch, equivalent to that. That won't nice. put you in an early grave. Uh-huh. No offense, Campbell's. <laughs> in
2: case you were uh, they're listening. This Trust us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they hunt, don't they,
0: Johnny? Oh man, I'm trying to. I, I don't. Know. While John's thinking, um,
2: do you guys have <laughs> any? Uh,
0: as far as any plugs, <laughs> as far you know. Uh, what website for Tiffany? Oh, yeah. Just books? our names,
1: yeah. Tiffany dot com is okay. mine. I've got some recipes on there and the books and and again, yeah, if you're listening and you want books, I've got books. I'll send you books, I'll make you a deal. Nice. Yeah. You want a hundred books? Yeah. I will <laughs> make you yeah. a yeah. deal. I'll sign I'll send them Signed? to who you want. Signed books. Christmas yeah. presents. Heck you know, yeah. sometimes people give us their Christmas list with addresses oh, really? and what they want every book to say. Oh wow. I actually love doing that kind of stuff. That's yeah. so. cool.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Um, and mine, mine is just my name, just scotthaugen.com. And I, there are a few books there too, if you want those. Oh yeah, um, on
1: the Facebook and the Instagram. Yeah, and all Facebook that Yeah, Facebook and Instagram, all that you stuff. You can see our fun. dogs. They do, they make yeah, a lot of appearances. Yeah. And, and all our dog videos and puppy stuff. We love doing that kind of stuff. Those are my most fun articles yeah. to edit of Scott's yeah. as well but lots of dog stuff <laughs> on, yeah. the, on his Can't website. Can't give up
2: the dog column yeah so we have that we have some videos there uh, I do some booking things uh, around the world have some fishing trips up in Alaska in fact I'm going I think August 27th or no July 27th to August 2nd up on the Igigig River it's my favorite river to fish in Alaska for it, silvers. It's
1: outdoor school for fishermen yeah okay.
2: so if yeah, you want to go cool. um, nice. we can offer a special from this podcast $400 off if you nice. want to go, I think there are room for. There's room for seven or eight more people. And the food's we're good. I've 14. been there. We're taking fourteen. Yeah. tents are nice. It's good. <laughs> yeah. So, Fantastic. So we're looking to go there. I'll head up to Alaska a few times this summer before moving up for good. And if it's a rainy day and
0: you have run through your Netflix queue and you're looking for something else to watch,
2: what's yeah? What's a good so show our show is no longer on Netflix. We are on Amazon Prime. Oh yeah. Yeah, so we're Scratch there. The first two seasons of the hunt are there. Um, and we're also, it's still on 48, I think, networks globally. Um,
1: oh, and you know, you can still, we even still have people ordering the DVDs every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, that's right.
2: Those are on there. We do a lot of um, one-minute video tips for Trigicon, um, how to hunt. You know, what you'd mentioned earlier how to hunt. And there's still a huge need to teach people how to hunt. Uh, and, and about a minute is most people's attention span. Yeah, know, and that's so. pretty much it. And yeah. and they've been very successful. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs>
1: You're lucky. I think it's actually eight seconds for the Gen Z for oh. the kids. Yeah,
2: yeah. So all well, kinds is, of content. So Amazon Prime. So Amazon Prime for our show, the hunt, and then the we hunt. have what's called okay. Trigicon tips and their hunting tips um, on the Trijicon's YouTube um, page, also on their website.
4: I
1: provide a lot there, of content so. for Smokehouse and uh, a lot of their cool products. Okay. And she has a lot of cooking stuff cooking on Cabela's,
2: and, yep, uh, Cabela's, Cabela's website.
1: Actually, Cook with Cabela's has a lot of great videos. Not all mine. Lots of different people yeah. contribute. So okay. good stuff going on online there.
2: Yeah, fun stuff. Figure okay, it out. I got it. I got good.
3: it. Nice. <laughs> I learned that Walmart chicken is not the best source of protein. <laughs>
1: Unless they want to support the podcast, yeah,
2: yeah. that's true. Yeah, <laughs> they might yeah. have organic oh, well. chicken.
1: I mean, that at least takes uh,
2: them yeah. a notch. <laughs> eat the organic meat in your Bounty. freezer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> eat what you kill. Yes, right on. Please right. eat elk. So,
0: um, when you guys want to just uh, tell everybody about our website and and if you guys do want to get a hold of scott and tiffany uh you can also reach them through us just uh drop us a line and we'll get you in uh contact with them as well personal cell phones yep and i have the gate (laughs) gate code so we're we're moving so (laughs) true tweet it (laughs) out but you should go get some gear speaking of gear where do they go nader prayingman.com p-r-e-y-i-n-g Yep, prayingman.com, that'll get you, uh, we got a whole, so the cool thing, and by the time this launches, which we're going to try to get this out fairly quick, but um, we have a whole new line of, of uh, graphics coming out. So Some would call it a late spring offering. It's a late spring, early summer offering, yeah. So new graphics, bunch of new graphics, a couple of new sub-brands that we're going to launch uh, specific to certain species that we've talked about here tonight. Um, some new garments some new hoodies some new t-shirts new hats coming so uh, check it out stay tuned follow us on instagram and facebook and and please 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 if uh, you can take 30 seconds i know it's annoying but rate and review the podcast it helps move us up the charts so other people can see us and and we can keep spreading the word are so. you going
1: to have an Eat Snipe shirt coming out? Eat kind of
2: oh Snipe. Oh, my gosh. Oh. There's a mounted trademark, Snipe trademark, right there. We trademarked it.
1: <laughs> I, ha- I have it a did. recipe in my Plank cooking book, did you see? actually.
2: Yeah. We might have, have to backyard. collaborate. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. that A whole be cool. book dedicated to the Snipe. <laughs> yeah. Or at least a shirt. Got Snipe? Yeah. Yeah. Got Snipe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, Scott, Tiffany, thank you so much. a pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. Awesome. Thanks, it was fun. Thanks, for having us. Yeah. Thanks for everybody listening.